0: Hello and welcome back to the Championship Crowd Podcast. I'm Chris Durkin and do my best to be as neutral as I can today's podcast. But Adam will be keeping me in check. Adam, mate, how are you doing?
1: I'm not too bad. Thank you, mate.
0: It's going to be an you're interesting good. one. Lining up the playoff final. Of course, I'm a happy man because Swansea are through to the playoffs. I'll do my best to be as neutral as I said. But Adam, you're going to be giving like a Brentford point of view. So why don't we just start with that game. Brentford, unbelievable. Fair play to them for coming back against Bournemouth. nil down going into the first leg and then they found themselves 1-0 down moving like the first few minutes of the game.
1: Yeah, that was the most lackluster defending I think I've ever seen in my life. Obviously, the corner comes in and it's literally one hoofball over the top and it's that man I kind of highlighted it, what, a couple of weeks back now in, in the previews of the whole semi-finals, Dan Juma is the man and there he is, races through and and puts it into the back of the net. And I thought at that point, that's probably game over. In all honesty, I, I didn't see Brentford, as much as they kind of had that fighting spirit in the first leg, they didn't really give all too much. So I didn't see them coming back in this game at all. And then obviously we had the controversial moment, which to me changed the whole the whole game. And that was the, the red card to ex-Brentford man, uh, Chris Meppham.
0: We did. We had the penalty though first because they, they managed to get one back before that. But yeah, going back to the, the, the corner, like what are they doing uh, in terms of defending? I'm all for teams trying to go attacking. And we did it as well. The first leg against Barnes and they nearly got caught out on the break. But you think the pace of people like Dan, Dan Juma, or, like he's going he's gonna to do well. One, one ball over, that's what they did. And he slots it in. Like It's so easy. What are Brentford doing? It was early stages. They they were only one goal behind. Why why do they set up like that?
1: I've got absolutely no idea. It's just it's, just, it's the most bizarre. I was like, surely he's not completely through on goal. And obviously the camera kind of panned. And there he was running straight through to slot it past Rea. And I just thought, well, that's so naive from Brentford. And, you, you know, you thought sort of Brentford, who are, I know they're very much an attacking side and not quite so good defensive, but come on, that's not championship defending. That's that's almost, well, it's almost playground level. That's awful.
0: Don't want to be upsetting the Brentford fans too early on, but it, was, it, it wasn't it was great. But thank, thankfully for them, the early doors, Ivan Tony, we talked about him. He scored a lot of goals this season, but a lot of them have come from the penalty spot. He knows how to take a penalty. Um, the keeper did go the right way. He does this like, Little, you can't even call it a run up, it's a walk up, really. Um, and he slots it in, but managed to finish it past um, Begovic. All interested with that, getting the ball out of the goal, weren't it? That was (laughs) Begovic. I've never really seen him like that. What a nutter! Yeah, I
1: I couldn't quite understand what he's trying to do there. Like, obviously, he's obviously trying to hold up the game, but come on, it's only the 16th minute like you're not going to gain anything really from doing that. I suppose he wanted to get Tony onto a yellow card, hoping a reaction would come come back because obviously Tony can be quite passionate and, you know, his sort of emotions can get the better of him. And I suppose Baywitch was thinking, look, let's try and get him a yellow card. And ultimately he succeeded in doing that. But in the end it obviously didn't pay off very much because he got a yellow card as well, but, you know, he's probably less likely to get a second. So yeah, that was strange scenes. I really didn't quite understand what he was trying to do. In fact, Begovic had the most random game I think I've ever seen of any goalkeeper. He really was all over the place and I don't really know what he was trying to do at any point.
0: Yeah, I don't know like whether they were like, really psyching themselves up in the, the ch- changing room before the game or something like that, but I've never really seen him that excited. But yeah, as you say, he got he got um, Ivan Tony a yellow card, which is pretty smart in the end. But I was thinking... Had Bournemouth, like, were hold if they were holding on to a victory later on, it would have been great to see like a uh, um the referee give them another yellow card. Uh, there's no way it would have happened, but that would have been funny. But, anyways, 1 1. And this is now you're thinking this is Brentford that like, I guess the early goal you touched in it before that it's going to be hard for them to come back. But we have seen them throughout the season, there's so much not better, you can't really argue they're better when they're behind, but they they do, they are technically because they always come back and score and in some ways when they are winning then they let lead slip. So, from Brenton's perspective, I'm not sure how many fans were getting nervy, but when you get one goal back, then you have the hope. But then when you see players go down to 10 men, Metham, oh, mate, what's he doing? I'm thinking about that world centre-back and I've got Cabango above him now after that. poor touch, and then pulls the guy down. In some ways, maybe quite smart because take a red over a a goal, would you?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think obviously he was trying to probably disguise the fact that he sort of fell over and grabbed onto the back of the man. I think he was probably trying to hope that it didn't. It almost looked like he was trying to free fall into the man accidentally, so he kind of got away, but obviously it didn't pay off and it was a red card and deservedly sent off against his former side and... Ultimately, that was for me the moment where I thought this is Brentford's game. I actually put money straight on to Brentford to win the game. So um that was that was the way I viewed that that point. I just thought Bournemouth, as much as they've, you know, got solid defenders in certain areas, I think the fact they had to take off David Brooks to sacrifice him for, for Rico to come on, I just thought that probably means that Bournemouth aren't going to get another goal. And I thought as soon as Brentford get that second, I think they're the favourites to go through.
0: Yeah, Ruka did come on and then like save one off the line like ten like a few minutes later. Um, but yeah, shame. To, for David Brooks, a guy, of, player of his calibre, obviously I talk about him a lot. But yeah, he's, he's a great great guy to come off. That was a shame for him to do that because you someone like that him, you need that player to have the spark. But he can't be taken off Dan Juma because obviously he he scored two goals out of the last two and a few other players. Probably you're thinking Brooks also maybe went down a little with an injury a few minutes before that. So I guess it was a sensible thing you had to bring in a defender. If a defender's been sent off, but yeah, I don't know, Chris Maffum. I'm not sure if it was wise or not because it's Brentford players still then has to finish it past Begovic, and that's not 100% set. But you just think Brentford playing against ten men, they're always gonna find a way. And as you say, I guess you put money on it, but um. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought the odds would have been that good. Surely people would have just thought Brentford were going to win from that.
1: No, I think it was. Well, I,
0: I mean, again,
1: don't condone betting, but I stuck a tenant down and got an eighteen quid return, and I just thought it was a a safe, a safe eight quid profit, which then went on to further acres in the rest of the weekend. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was just too good to be true, and obviously, heard to Bournemouth, they got through till half time, which I was quite impressed with. I thought that might be the kind of Thing. I think if they went into half-time almost effectively level in, in the tie, I think that would have almost been like, well, that's Brentford's game now to win. But obviously the fact that they managed to keep it keep it at, at 1-1 going into half-time I thought was crucial. And then obviously they, they suffered the, the sucker punch only five minutes into into the second half and it was a massive stroke of luck really, wasn't it? The, 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 the kind of guy, Janel, coming in on it. And I thought, nah, he's not. And obviously put it in the top corner, but it, it's gone through like... A, God knows how many bodies. And obviously the man looked like, who was that? One of the Brentford men who like, was about to strike it kind of fell over the ball almost and Jan Elk got the ball. So yeah, most random goal, but kind of looked quite nice on the camera as well.
0: Yeah, there's probably one or two angles that you could probably like play it back in Brentford's history as an un- unbelievable goal. But when you look at it properly, <laughs> it was the luckiest goal ever, but also the Bournemouth defender, I forgot who it was, it touched the ball and it slightly moved just away. And say so if the ball was where the guy was trying to strike at, I have no idea where it would have ended up. But just the chances of all of that happening, you think something, it must be Brentford's day after that happens. And it, yeah, it was an incredible goal, but incredibly lucky at the same time. And yeah, as you say, Bournemouth going in at half-time, they've probably had a good team to it. They've probably settled themselves down because they were looking shaky. That game was, that first half was mental from both ends. Obviously, you were touched on Begovic. He's, he, he was... In nutter, but even loads of other players—they're all like really feisty and psyched up for it. That they needed that calming down, and then to come out five minutes later to be hit by a massive sucker punch. There was probably one of the arguably luckiest goal of the season. Um, but there you go, two on Brentford. They were then fighting for a long, long time to get that winner because really don't want extra time. I know you've got a buffer. What? seven days rest but going into a final you never really want extra time they managed to do it
1: 3-1 yeah I think I think the man who for me was the reason that Brentford got out of this was actually bermo who I've honestly I've kind of criticized him at times this season I don't think he's been that great but he as an outlet on the on the flank there was really causing that Bournemouth defence major major problems he was getting in behind I don't know how many times and I think he was he was the key that that ultimately won them the game. Obviously, it was it wasn't him who assisted the goal, but I think he was the man who kind of was was key in the whole in the whole build up. And obviously, it was Marcus Force who who doesn't really get the recognition that he deserves as sort of Brentford's backup striker, but a young finish finish international, I think as well. So he obviously bags the, bags the goal and. And sees Brentford into the final, which uh, obviously it was great to see the fans as well. I just think it was the fans' reaction to that goal is exactly what I felt we, you know, the playoffs needed because it was ultimately that sort of outroar of passion where I think most fans would have almost been a bit downhearted, two nil, two nil down, effectively. So sort of what effectively what hundred minutes into the tie um, to then come back and, and do it in the fashion they did was, yeah, was was great to see.
0: Yeah, I love it how you had to pick out finish. You, you you know all of them just because of Pookie. Um, but anyways, fans still. are full two down. You need they 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 weren't really singing at the start. They only started singing when they they came back, mate. But there you go. I guess that's normal. Fair play to Brentford. It'll be interesting to see come Wembley who we hear more out of the two sets of fans. The other game probably not as exciting for my point of view. Very nerve wracking. Um, towards the end especially actually when I say nerve-wracking I, don't, I was only nervous when they scored uh, going into it I was all given the big end that I was actually very confident I was very confident and Barnsley just, nothing really no really chances the first half for both teams until Grimes scores an amazing goal and for, like, just for me just flashback to 2011 it was literally the same position probably as Leon Britton's goal and kind of, kind of similar in terms of like, curves it in um, from outside the box. And yeah, just good memories. And I thought we were going to then do, do a last minute um, goal when the keepers come up. But nah, no, not too many similarities there. But yeah, it was incredible um, to hold on. But Barnsley, around 70th minute, was it? They scored the equaliser. It definitely made it a bit more exciting end.
1: Yeah, I think that was kind of the moment what this game needed almost to kind of make it more, more of a tie because I think at that point it was just dwindling out for a Swansea 1-0 win and obviously it, it, it's ultimately been two bits of real quality that for me have defined this tie. You know, there's not really been much. I don't think either tie has been sort of a, a classic. They've both just been very gritty and and well fought and ultimately it's Swansea's little bit of quality with the IU strike in the first leg and then the Grimes in the second leg and... I mean, Barnsley's goal again is a is a great is a great effort. I mean, the fact that he's not even looked at the ball to to put that in the in the net is is a good finish. And obviously, I think the fact they chucked on all those forwards towards the end did add the sort of extra dimension and they were chucking chucking the balls in the box, but ultimately Barnsley really did, didn't they didn't almost implement their usual style of play in this game, in my opinion. Like, I think if Barnsley would have stuck to their own principles, I think they would have had a better shot. I think they almost got a little bit nervy and they've got a young squad. I think they'll learn from it. Um, they almost give me kind of Swansea vibes from last season. It's quite a, a young squad, and I think they'll do well again next season.
0: You would hope so. It just depends how many players they're going to lose this summer. You don't know who's going to go. It could be one of those things that quite a lot of people could be set up this summer. Um, but yeah, for Swansea's perspective, Mark Gurhey, two man of the match performances in both legs. He was very, very surprised with his se- the second leg. Even the first leg was surprised, but it was funny. Um, watching at the end I'm not sure if you saw but the celebrations and then like, the media guy comes over to him and he's like like you can see it on the camera you can't see the, like, hear the conversation but you can just see like, he's like why, why are we a man of the match he's like no go away I want to be joining in the celebrations he came out then gave a very good interview after that but England squad was announced no marker here in the team they're missing out on their best centre back England
1: no, I think if Ben Gibson was fit, we'd have, we'd have had him in the squad. But we, we've got Ben Godfrey in there at the moment in the provisional squad. Uh, who was excellent for Norwich uh, last season, so happy to see him in the squad. But no, no Gurheath, because uh, yeah, he's not ready yet.
0: He, he's done very, very well, especially this season. Came into the likes of um, towards the end of last season for us. But he's going to be key in the playoff final. We're going to be previewing it ourselves in a second. But first of all, let's hear from two fans, fans—a Brentford fan giving their their perspective, then a Swansea fan as well. Give them a listen. Thanks for having me
2: on. I'm very excited about the game, I have to say. I went to the second leg of the semi, really down, you know, 1-0 down from the first leg. And then we went down, what, four or five minutes into the game. It really wasn't looking good. But, uh, you know, anything can happen in football. And I have to say, I think having the fans back in the stadium... As cliche as it is, it made such a huge difference. Uh, everyone was so pumped and active and up and just well up for it. And I think that the team felt that, used that energy and managed to get the job done. So setting up a really interesting tie uh, for Saturday. It's um, If I'm honest, it's probably the game I was hoping to get purely because of how... Inconsistent we've been against Barnsley compared to Swansea, you know, we haven't lost, we haven't won, I'll give it that, but I just feel like these are two teams that are actually going to play a bit of football, you know, get out there, attack, try and win the game, and I feel like that suits our style well, as opposed to a a team that's going to just sit back, ten men behind the ball and try and break on the counter, which is how we conceded to Bournemouth basically twice. So I think it's gonna be a very exciting game. I think we've got some key players that are gonna step up for us. Obviously you may man Ivan Tony. He's uh he's a cracking player. <laughs> Best striker I've seen at the club, which is weird to say when he's the third in line of twenty five goal a season strikers for us. But um yeah, fantastic player who has the ability to make a difference and him and I also think Brian and bwemo he gets a hard rap from a lot of the fans a lot of the time, but I personally have always stood by him and I think he is an incredibly talented player and he's going to cause problems for the back line. Running in, pressing, getting in behind, it's going to be difficult. Um, if I had one fear from the Swansea team, which I do, <laughs> it's the threat that is Andre are you? I think that is a Premier League quality player whether or not you uh, like him or have any opinion on him really he is he is that top level and he can bring that to swansea so i think that's where i fear overall i can't i can't call it i really can't i'm hopeful for a win come on the bees There's going to be a cracking game either way
3: hey guys thank you so much for having me as a part of this podcast i very much appreciate it so the swansea Brentford game is coming up very, very soon, and it's fair to say that the nerves are now kicking in. I'm still, I think I'm still in shock that we're actually there and it's actually happening. It's obviously been such a strange season, not being able to go to any games, um, being apart from fans, all that sort of thing. So the fact that we're in the Pale final is, it seems absolutely crazy to me, um, but I'm really excited. I'm so proud of the team and of Steve Cooper for getting us there because that Barnsley, those Barnsley games were not easy games to watch. Um, Barnsley literally threw everything at the Swans and the fact that we were able to kind of hold them off enough to get through to the final is just fantastic and a credit to our defence and our tactics and the team as a whole for kind of holding their holding their composure really um, and they thoroughly deserve to be in the final regardless of what else I see on social media. Um, So the Brentford game, obviously, we're all a bit scared of Ivan Tony, he's scored plenty of goals this season. Of course, we're a bit scared of him. I hope that our defence can keep him quiet. If we can keep him quiet, we definitely have a shout in this game. Um, We need to have the game of our lives. We need to throw all that we've got at Brentford and of course there's a chance we'll get a result it's 50 50 chance at this point um which is really scary um setting myself up for kind of euphoria and heartbreak at the same time playoffs are weird playoffs are terrifying and exciting and exhilarating and awful all at the same time so i'm not sure how this one's going to go i'm excited to see what steve cooper does with the formation i personally would like to see a back four again I do actually think recently we've been stronger in a back four I know most of the season we played with our wing backs but actually after the Barnsley game I can see us our defence holding really really strong against Brentford with a back four so let's just see what happens I don't know I wish Brentford the best of luck um don't write us off I think a lot of what I've seen on social media is that this Brentford will walk it, Brentford, this is Brentford's blah, blah, blah. I don't think you can write the Swans off because on our day we are capable of beating anyone in this league. So let's just see what happens. But I'm so excited. And what, regardless of the result, what an amazing season for the Swans. And if we don't go up this time, we go again next time.
0: We will be ready indeed if we don't get promoted. But yes, I am excited as Amy is as well. It's going to be very good. We've heard now from those two fans. Adam mate, you're coming from a neutral perspective. What's your take on the game? Where do you see the game being won? And I think we'll, we'll save your prediction for later, but cue it in with your information now.
1: I think you've obviously got a very attacking side against a very defensive side in terms of their strong points. I think Brentford obviously top goal scorers in the championship over the course of the season. They've got the top goal scorer in the championship in their ranks. And Burmo, as I already mentioned before, I thought had a very good game in the second leg of the semis. And I expect he'll turn up again. I think the kind of only thing I'd say is that Brentford's midfield might be a little bit weakened because Norgard was went off, didn't he, in uh, the warm-up. And he's a very crucial component to that Brentford side. I think he's a very underrated player. So that could potentially be an area where I think Swansea could exploit Uh, Brentford, but obviously I do think that Swansea, if they're going to win this game, will be very reliant on Gerhi, Woodman uh, Bidwell had a very good game as well I thought in the second leg, I think those players are the the ones that Swansea need to rely on and then I think that little bit of quality which we've seen in the two legs where just that one strike really just to put the ball in the back of the net from an IU or a low or whoever it may be that I think could potentially be Swansea's route, I don't see Swansea going out there and winning like 3-4-0 against, against Brentford, where, yeah, I just don't see that. I think it would be quite a low-scoring affair, actually.
0: Yeah, I don't I didn't see Swansea doing that, but I don't see Brentford doing that either. I I, I, well, I guess I guess if there's one team to do it. I guess Brentford could do it. But um, we've seen two close games this season, two draws. And arguably, when I say close games, both of them should have been won by the away teams. Um, Brentford probably argue otherwise. But Swansea... Went to Brentford early on in the season. Very close game there. But we, we had the chances and we should have won. And IU scored last second of the game. Apparently it was offside. Um, I think it was offside. Um, but um, yeah, we, we had loads of chances before that um, and could have easily won there. Then they all kicked off on social media after their draw at the Liberty Stadium, which arguably they had. We, we were awful. That was probably one of our worst games this season. And we managed to draw, but we did have 10 men towards the end of the game. And we then managed to score and equalise with 10 men. And they weren't happy the fact that they didn't win that game. But all I just think is, that was our worst game this season, probably. And we still managed to get a draw with 10 men. Maybe it was our worst game this season because they're a very good team. But also, arguably, this game, we're going to be up for it. We're going to be ready and it is going to be an interesting one. I do think, as you say, it is, they do have the attacking thing. I did smirk when you called us a defensive side because, yeah, I don't know, it's just not Swansea, is it? But now, now we, we probably can get labelled that because, well, third best defensive record this season. But, we, yeah, we are going to still try to come out. But the fact that it is Brentford, we will probably be, yeah, we are going to be the more defensive team going into the weekend.
1: Yeah, that's the way I see kind of this game. I think this will be the areas that win. I think if Tony turns up, probably needs a penalty to score. But um, I do think that that's the areas where where this game will be decided. I don't see it being like a really free-flowing attacking game of football. I think it's going to be two quite evenly matched sides, which we've seen in the two games this season, um, that are basically going, going for this in, in a manner that obviously is a massive game. Um but I do think both sides have got individual talents that could potentially be the way they win this game. I don't I don't see it sort of being one of them games. It almost I think this player almost like the barnsley Swansea game in the second leg, where it's very close, tightly a kind of tight game. And I don't see it being yeah, a high scoring game at all.
0: So we talk about those key players and those big players that you say it's gonna be that special moment. And you look at Swansea and you look at Brentford. From Bronwyn's perspective, obviously, who stands out is Ivan Tony, 31 goals, maybe 32 if you include the playoffs um, this season, 10 assists. But does he have the experience to be called a key player on the terms of Andre Ayou for a game like this? No doubtably, Ivan Tony has been a better player this season, don't get me wrong. But for a key game like this, to step up in those moments... Ivan Tony scores like, for the sake of scoring. He's, he's a great finisher. But will he be able to, comparing him to Andre Ayew, win Brentford the game?
1: I think in terms of pressure, I, I, I kind of thought that penalty was a big moment for him in, in, the, in the second leg there, because obviously it was 2-0 Bournemouth at the time. And everyone was like, right, this could be you know, the big moment. And he was the coolest man in, in the whole of the stadium to slot that penalty away under such circumstances, which for me, if he, if he misses that penalty, I think that's probably game game over completely for, for Brentford because I didn't see them scoring three goals to win the game from there so yeah I think from that aspect he's dealt with that quite well this season whenever they've kind of needed that man to to step up and sort of basically do the business he's always seemed like he's done it so from that sort of regard I actually do think he will step up in this game and I think if there's you know a chance
0: that's needed to be buried I think he'll bury it he will, he will. That's the thing, but will he get the chances? We've seen Swansea limiting the chances and, well, Ben Cabango and Mark Gurhey arguably had won two of their best games this season and Freddie Woodman in goal. Unbelievable um, play. And it is going to be hard to, to uh, limit the chances because Ivan Tony does pop up in those spaces. But Dyke, he was going into the game thinking quite a lot of Barnsley fans were saying that he's going to absolutely destroy um, both our centre backs, but he didn't. And Dyke's played really well since joining um, Barnsley, I believe in January. And I- elsewhere, you could argue Ivan Tony is much better than Dyke, but Gurhey and Cabango have shown that they can defend.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the thing. I think, you know, it depends on how many chances he gets because he is clinical. So I think that's the thing I'd say with Tony one chance he'll probably put it in the back of the net. And it's just a case of can Gurhey and Woodman honestly perform to the standard they did against Barnsley over the two legs because they were both pretty monumental in for me sealing that that tie. Because I, I think over the course of the tie, it probably there wasn't really much between the sizes. As I said, it was just that little bits of quality that Swansea had, which Barnsley didn't, which you know it just comes down to experience. I mean, Swansea have got some experienced players in, in the ranks where Again, that's probably, you know, that is a factor in this. I do think that Brentford are quite an inexperienced side. They've not really got the kind of values in the team or even someone like a Matt Matt Grimes. He's played a lot of seasons, you know, he's quite a seasoned championship pro at this point. So, uh, yeah, I do think that it's going to be basically those kind of players that will win Swansea the game. I think Brentford have the better team on paper, but I think Swansea have the better individuals on paper.
0: So, who are you saying is going to win the game? Let's, Let's see the prediction now. I think Brentford win two 0 to nil, you know, Brentford. Yeah, I thought, I thought there's no way you're going to say Swansea, but then a second, you queued it up like you were going to say Swansea. Um, of course, of course, Adam never backs Swansea, and Swansea seem to always prove Adam wrong in his last few predictions. It will be an interesting one. I, I'm not going to give a. I'll give a prediction, but I'll. I'll be called out by us of Brentford fans. No, I think it's going to be a good game. I can't call it, actually. Um, obviously, I'm going to say Swansea are going to win. I reckon we're going to actually easy 2-0 win. I think Brentford, they're going to be turning up in their numbers. And I just don't think, you can't ignore that playoff record. What is it, nine or ten? Maybe I've lost count now. Playoffs they've been in, and they've never been promoted through the playoffs. I know records are there to be broken and be stopped. But in their back of their minds, they did it last year. Will they be able to spur themselves on from that? Or will it just be creeping in their minds later on in the game, they're thinking, maybe not going for that same old Brentford that we've seen for so long, going that tack in play, constantly attacking, could be getting a bit nervy towards the end of the game. And in a close game, could Swansea really capitalise on the fact that in their back of their minds, they must be shaking, and even Thomas Frank, like, he's... Well, I'm not going to talk about Thomas Frank much, but, it, yeah, he, he, he does... Um, yeah, he, he gets a bit excited on that touchline, doesn't he? So we'll see if it gets in his head as well. It'll be interesting, a rematch between him and Conor Roberts as well, constantly dueling every season. But what a game it's going to be.
1: I do think the nerves, though, will be calmed by the fact that Brentford beat Swansea last season in, in the second leg of the, of the playoff semifinals. Like, although it was a season ago that was a very high-pressured game for Brentford because everyone expected Brentford almost to get promoted because of the way they fell out of the top two at the end of end of last season. And to come back from from behind in the first leg to sort of beat Swansea in that second leg in the manner they did, I do think that will give them a bit of confidence because obviously both these squads haven't changed that dramatically since then. Obviously, Brentford have got sort of more different forward line. But, you know, the midfield and defensive areas are on the whole very much the same in the same way that Swansea haven't got a major kind of overhaul of players a lot of these players were involved in that tie last year so I do think obviously from a Swansea perspective they'll have a point to prove because Brentford obviously knocked them out of the playoffs and basically stopped them getting to Wembley last season and obviously from a Brentford perspective they'll be hoping for for a repeat of of that semi-final but this, this year in the final to finally see themselves in the Premier League which obviously is what Brentford have been aspiring to do now for what seems like five seasons or so
0: last thing to talk about Only 10,000 fans in the stadium. What is that all about, Adam? Surely, if the Champions League final was moved to Wembley Stadium, I think they would have had at least 30,000. I can't see them having any... They wouldn't have had any less than that.
1: I find it interesting the fact that obviously the government announced that they're going to allow 90,000 fans into Wembley for the Euros, which is only, what, a a month or so later, which... The fact they had twenty thousand for the FA Cup final, which was even further back now, just doesn't really quite add up to me. I think if these teams were coming from these areas, which are now kind of spiking a little bit, which is sort of the the up north areas, I think that's maybe. Brent, slightly Brent, there's a spike near Brentford, to be honest, at the moment. That that might, I suppose that might play into it, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really quite see it. I think the fact that you had to test yourself and everything before, like, it's all, ultimately very safe and. I don't really see why they can't have 40,000 in there, why they can't have 20,000 each, because you would still be able to space, what, two, three seats apart. So, yeah, a little bit strange. It's a little bit disappointing because, obviously, it's a, to me, the playoff final is bigger than the FA Cup final in the regard of what it means because, you know, the FA Cup doesn't earn you money. It's just a very historic English, well, British uh, trophy where the Championship Playoff Final is ultimately, money wise, the biggest game in football. So it is a little bit disappointing that ultimately the centrepiece of, of the EFL has been kind of somewhat diminished by
0: the fact that they've only allowed 10,000 fans in. Yeah, and I think it was always set up by like, the fact that they were so easy saying, oh, yeah, well, ha- well if you, Champions League got moved here, we'll happily move. Um, I don't think they should. I think they should be more, this is where we've put for so many years, this is where we're playing. Um, and the EFL doesn't seem like they're fighting for it. It's like the clubs that are trying to fight for it. Um, but that's going to, be an, it's going to be an interesting game and it's going to be exciting. Different debate for another day. I think I prefer FA Cup over promotion. But there you go. Just just have to win at once, don't you? Um, being promoted back in 2011. Hoping for another final like that. It will be incredible if we manage to do that. 4-2 victory over Reading. Brentford, I would talk about your playoff victories, but sadly... There hasn't been any. But Adam's gone 2 0. Have you gone, Adam? Yeah,
1: 2 0, Brentford. I'm going Ivan Tony to score, and I think Embermo will get on the score sheet.
0: Okay. Uh, we're always going to keep another clean sheet. Well, we didn't keep a clean sheet the other day, but we're going to keep a clean sheet this round. I think uh, I think 1 0 rather than 2 0. Maybe a bit optimistic there. I am a bit nervy um, now. Before I wasn't nervous, but now talking about it, oh, it's going to be an interesting one. I think Brentford's, we've had a few back and forth in terms of fans recently, uh, this season, or well, last season, stemming from that playoffs. And it's probably the, the best team to beat, but also the worst team to lose to. It's part of me really looking forward to it. Part of me dreading the day. It's going to be a very exciting game. I believe we'll be reviewing it in a brief uh, podcast next week.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, So, yeah, to send us out, we're going to listen to uh, one of our regular contributors, Amy, is going to talk about a a movement she's set up um, called At Her Game 2, which is all about inclusivity in football, which is something that, for me, should just be a standard procedure. Uh, It shouldn't be that sort of unnecessary, you know, comments that we often see on social media and in stadiums. I think football, we're quite an inclusive channel. We love hearing from fans from different backgrounds, genders, whatever it may be we we really appreciate anyone who comes on and gives their view and we value anyone's view on this podcast so amy's gonna talk to us a little bit more about this
3: so last saturday we released our first her game 2 campaign video and within 24 hours we had reached a million people which is absolutely insane and to be honest since we've released it The 12 of us have been absolutely non-stop busy with interviews, podcasts, radio things. We've been on TV. It's been absolutely, I mean, I don't think there's a word to describe it. We're all a bit overwhelmed with the response. None of us expected it to be this big. We wanted it to be, but we didn't think it would. You know, it's really hard to get things going on the internet these days. So we're so grateful for the response and the traction and the support that we've had. So essentially the idea of the campaign is to just sort of raise awareness about some of the things women go through when talking about football, when going to the football or even playing football. Um, It really does happen. We've had a lot of comments saying, this doesn't happen anymore. And actually it does happen. I experience it, the other 12 girls experience it. And the amount of comments we've had from other women saying that they've experienced it too has been completely crazy and sure some of it is banter but there's a very there's a line between banter and unacceptable behavior um so for me most of it comes from online tiktok twitter i think tiktok's the worst at the moment um lots of comments about the fact my opinion is is invalid and oh guys don't worry she doesn't know what she's talking about because she's a girl oh and then obviously there's also, all the standard ones like make me a sandwich. Like, absolutely not. I don't want to make you a sandwich. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're really excited. We've got so many things coming up. So if you're interested in getting involved or following on our journey, please follow us on at her game two. We're gonna have a website soon. Um, There's possibility for shirts coming soon. Um, There's lots of things. We're gonna get loads of girls across Europe involved, obviously with the Euros coming up. And we're just so excited about the potential of this and what we might be able to achieve with it. So thank you so much. If you've supported us, if you've retweeted or liked or shared anything we've posted, um, we're very, very grateful, but keep your eyes open.